Hello, everybody. This is the Chini Maji Podcast brought to you by Impact Africa Network. Uh, this week, we have the awesome pleasure of having the indefatigable <laughs> Navalayo Osembo. Did I say that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I say indefatigable because what you're doing is definitely challenging uh, at a different order. I would, yeah, I would imagine, yes, right? Yes, yeah. And so you can't get fatigued easily. Nope. You gotta try. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta keep those running shoes on. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah, literally. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah. So Navalayo is the co-founder of Enda mm-hmm. Running or Enda Athletics. We are just now Enda. We are we just Enda. Yeah, we're now rebranding back to Enda. There's a whole history why we have all these different names. And we're going but, to uh, that. <laughs> no. So right now we're just Enda. Got it. Yes. And Enda is leading the Kenyan takeover of, of the running shoe industry. Absolutely. It's about time. It's about time. Not <laughs> <What>? now. When? <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, this is crazy because I remember the first time I, uh, you know, I, I, you know, when I was still living in the States, you uh-huh. kind of tend to look over the fence and see what's happening in the yeah. ecosystem. And I was starting to do my research about who's doing what. And, uh-huh. and one of the things that was always disappointing to me as a, as a runner, um, mm-hmm. I don't run as long and far as I used to, mm-hmm. but... Um, still a runner um i always used to be so disappointed that there was nothing uh that there was no commercialization of the kenyan running industry other than mm-hmm. the athletes being out there and wearing nike and all that yeah right? exactly and so that to me was very disappointing and then lo and behold i think maybe a month later i came across enda uh-huh. and i'm like holy cow somebody's <laughs> actually doing this so <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> and so from right off the bat i was like wow it takes guts to actually go into that space that mm. is difficult to it's just a hard space i mm. mean and there are big players in that space and so i'm really excited to hear mm-hmm. the story and to kind of start with you mm-hmm. right what kind of person takes on such a challenge right <laughs> so maybe we just start with you know uh introduce your company okay. you know what you guys do mm-hmm. at a high level like the you know elevator pitch and then mm-hmm. you know we talk a little bit about your background education where you went to school grew up mm-hmm. the, the arc between birth mm-hmm. i guess <laughs> and founding ender <laughs> right, big arc. right? So summarize it. just summarize it in the sense that here's where i grew up school whatever and okay. then your entrepreneurial journey were well, you always an entrepreneur mm-hmm. that type of thing okay um i would say ender is essentially a company that's bringing kenyan running to the spotlight um it kind of came from uh, this desire to bring back the benefits of running back to the home of running champions, mm. if I would call that. So Kenya has historically dominated uh, distance running. But if you look at that domination and that um, reputation, it hasn't really transformed into anything um, economic. And I think when I was looking at it, I was thinking, if you look at other countries, they, especially in the West, they have really managed to capitalize on their reputation. Like it's not just a reputation, but it's just monetization of that reputation. Mm-hmm. But then when you come here, you realize we haven't yet done that much. And granted, there are athletes that get sponsorship and things like that, but they are like a drop in the ocean. It doesn't scale. No, yeah. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Like there's still so many athletes who have not made it to that level yet. So very few athletes benefit. Mm-hmm. And either way, it's still a big burden on them because they still mm-hmm. have families and villages to support. Right. So it's you find that the actual benefit is very little. Mm-hmm. So the essence was just how do we essentially commercialize this to a point where Kenya actually takes a position and say, um, since we have the best runners in the world, since um, from an evolution perspective, like humankind also is kind of the early origins of man is in Kenya, I think the whole concept of running has truly evolved, truly from Kenya. Mm. And the motivation was how do we then 
um, create something that lasts. And if you're looking at the running sphere, running shoes are like the one thing that are like runners' tools. Mm. And it just made sense to make running shoes. At that point, we didn't know how to make running shoes, but we figured out, we'll make her, we'll figure it out. Like, first, do we agree that we need to make running shoes? Yes. Okay, now let's go to the next step of figuring out how to make running shoes. So essentially, that's what Enda is about. We work with Kenyan athletes. We literally, the Rift Valley is our testing lab. We like to wear tests and do all these kinds of things. And we also get a lot of feedback from the athletes. Our product, um, there's an evolution of products where you can see how we started to how it kind of went as we got feedback from the athletes. And yeah, so that's what we do mm, at the end of the show. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I guess I'm still, I can't wait to hear how you... What was your evolution like, right? In terms of, were you always a budding entrepreneur, mm-hmm. or was this something that inspiration struck while you're trying to go down the beat, the tried and true path of get a good education, get a good job? That we are. Uh-huh. I to? I don't know, you know. I feel like entrepreneur, like Kenyans are essentially entrepreneurs, right? I feel like everyone has a side hustle. <laughs> well, is that is that entrepreneurship or survival? Maybe they're the same thing. I it's don't know. the same thing. I mean, it could be survival <laughs> entrepreneurship, but everybody's doing something. So I think. There's a difference. I think survival is when you're kind of just doing it to make ends meet. But I think if that thing actually exceeds, I think they will move from survival to entrepreneurship. Like where are we actually, where are we right now, broadly speaking? I mean, broadly speaking, the incomes in Kenya aren't that much. So I do feel like a lot of people have to supplement their income mm-hmm, with something mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm. So as a country, I'd say we're in survival mode um, mm-hmm. because a the jobs are not enough, and b the jobs don't pay good enough. Like mm-hmm. they pay you, but it's not a living wage; it's a survival wage. And so let me ask you this on mm-hmm. that particular topic: mm-hmm. uh, those are the systemic conditions right now. Yes. Right. What yes. what impact does that have on the mindset of, of people? It's hard, man it's hard because how do you how do you entrepreneurship like even for enda i went through a journey up to a point where i said now i'm doing it full time Mm -hmm. like and even doing it full time uh for full disclosure we haven't broken even yet so at this particular point there's still some self-financing that's Mm -hmm. going on Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't be able to do that for instance had i not been in a position that allowed me to basically save up, right. right? And allow me to take this journey. How many brilliant people have brilliant ideas, but they can't they really the get shelf. out of the uh, rat race? Yeah. yeah, because you're kind of just making that hamster wheel run, even though you're not moving anywhere. So I do think living wage is a fundamental part of entrepreneurship, which is why I'm always pro. I wish, I wish there was a government thing where you kind of like have a scheme where people can actually, if you get your business to a certain level, then someone kind of steps in and says, okay, I'm going to pay your salary for the next two years. You just go figure that thing out. I think that would make a fundamental... So, so that's an amazing point that you bring because, yeah. you know, what we do mm-hmm. at Impact Africa Network, we're mm-hmm. a startup studio. Yeah. And most people, you know, because I don't talk about this on our, on our podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so essentially what we do mm-hmm. is exactly what you described. Ah. And what we focus on mm-hmm. is emerging college graduates. Right? Ah, we provide them cool. a 12-month mm-hmm. internship uh-huh and allow them to work on projects that uh-huh. we think should be worked on uh-huh. or ideas that they might have. Yeah. But the idea is to put them in this environment with like-minded peers, with a support infrastructure of yeah. experienced advisors, mm-hmm. and just this very systematic process mm-hmm. so that for one year, they can just focus on projects 
that have the chance of becoming a startup. Yeah, that's that's super super important. Although I challenge you to make it two years. <laughs> <laughs> no, so here's the thing. So so the reason why it's one year mm-hmm. is is because no, well, let's not talk about what I do. Let's talk about what you do. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about this is not about it. Yeah, we should have another podcast where he talks about what he does. You know, I've been I've, I've been thinking about having that because I've never really had the chance to to do that, and I'm yeah. like, you know what? I'll yeah. I'll invite. One of you guys to come and interview me. Yeah, happy, happy to volunteer. <laughs> but anyway, so back to kind of like you know, where did you grow up and mm-hmm. education and arc to 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 founding Ender? Mm-hmm. You know, just that process high level. So I come from Tarbo. Tarbo is like maybe depending on how fast you're driving, <laughs> like maybe <laughs> let's say twenty to I'd say like thirty to like forty minutes from Eldoret town. So I come basically from a place where. Every time you kind of go home, the people running on the road, and also just Eldoret is a, I don't know, it was the town, like mm-hmm. it was the town where when you're growing up, like yeah, let's go to LD, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, like schooling, I went to my first academy, mm-hmm. so my dad was in the military, and uh, that was like the military school back then, and after that high school, I went to Precious Blood, uh, in. Yeah, not too far from where we are actually, right, yeah, right. it's down the road. Right. And then after that I did, I studied uh, undergraduate law, which was amazing. I always wanted to be a lawyer, so I got that opportunity. And um, after that, um, I had actually, before I started my undergrad, I had done my CPA. My brother is an accountant. So during that time you had to wait two years before you enter university. These kids have no idea how grateful they should be that <laughs> they just finish school and go to university. This is interesting because I had a different guest on the on the podcast here, uh-huh. Houston Melande, uh-huh. uh, and he had a very different perspective. Yeah. He thought that the fact that you, we had that gap uh-huh. was great for him. Yeah. And I it allowed like, you to explore and expand uh-huh. your horizons and test different things. That's what he got out of that. You think it's not useful. Oh, no, I feel like it wasted my time. <laughs> <laughs> where, are trying, where are you trying to get to? What's the rush? <laughs> no, I think it's a it's putting a lot of pressure on parents who already don't have enough income, right? So there has to be that. What do I do with these kids who are home for two years? <laughs> and then it also depends on the discipline of the child. So if you grow up in an environment where you have a lot of self discipline, then those two years will be magical. And I think I was lucky to be in that environment where. My brother was like, you have two years, you can do your CPA in two years, go to school, right? But then there's so many other kids I know who those two years were very destructive. Like, they, they really haven't recovered from those two years. So it's, wow. it really depends on your environment. So mm-hmm. if you have a lot of time and you're not doing anything constructive, it will really be harmful. You know, I, 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 I have a different view on, on how human beings... Uh, of course, there's nature and nature, yeah. right? But don't you think some of these people would have still gone down those paths even if they were tracked into the university? No, I, I actually think we are elements of our environment and that's why we have different perspectives. We can see the same thing, but you see... Uh, it's the, the, that whole um, story about the blind people touching the elephant and they're being asked, okay, describe an elephant. And one is like, oh, it's so thin and hairy, he touched the tail. One of them is like, it's so rough and solid, it's like a wall, he touched the side. And other one is like, it's thick and round, so he touches, and the other one is like, it's like a snake. They're all describing the same thing, but they're seeing it from different perspectives. So I think human beings are elements of what is around them and what you kind of 
learn as a believer. But there's always something inside you also, right? Like, like if, so for example, my mm -hmm. point being, you know, you're, you're right. Mm -hmm. My point being that if you're the kind of person who has a certain kind of penchant or, yeah. or habit or yeah. if you're going to do some things, yeah. it doesn't matter when they happen. Maybe, mm -mm. maybe you I can get... Like environment. <laughs> I feel like the environment is, is very... Um, in, in my perspective yeah. of the elephant. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I always say, while I was in the US, I, I, I lived in between this suburb where there was a clear mark between the black communities and the other communities. That's pretty much and America. I, I was... <laughs> which, which, really, which one was this? Which city? Um, it's Englewood. So Englewood, I was like right at the border okay. between Tenafly, which is very um, suburban and high income. LA, and right? then, yeah, no, 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 mm -hmm. in New Jersey. And oh, then wow. down okay. the road, like literally half across the railway line, it will still be like downtown Englewood and it will be a pretty much rundown. Mm. But then you would find that there was literally a division and you would see like like the black kids would be like, you know, music know. blaring, guys just hanging out and stuff. And then you see the other kids and they're like, like tennis racket or like, like there's like activity. Like you would see, I could be able to kind of just try to extrapolate the features of these different kids and as like there's nothing that separates them other than like a, a space road. of land yeah. yeah so that's the same thing like for example in the in the bay area this is mm. amazingly um the stark comparison between there's this freeway called 101 i don't uh -huh. know if you've been to silicon valley I was, but it was such a brief visit. Such a brief visit. Yeah. So when I got there the first time, it, it always stunned me because there is Palo Alto uh -huh. and then there's East Palo Alto. Uh -huh. So Palo Alto is where Stanford is and where uh -huh. all That's those companies yeah. <laughs> right, start. Facebook mm -hmm. started there. Everybody is there who's yeah. doing anything. Yeah. Right across the freeway, literally the freeway, uh -huh. is East Palo Alto. Uh -huh. And stark difference right completely exactly. um, so i guess at the end of the day people will rise according to their to their opportunities around them or limited by by, by those it's opportunities true, but it's the environment what do you see what is available what's available around you? you there's also another thing too like if um so for example like your friends who didn't take advantage of those those two years mm. or they kind of succumbed to those two years yeah. right um i'm wondering if it was a question of was it was it that they had freedom too early also maybe they didn't have i don't think so because i've met i have a friend who's norwegian at 16 she was traveling the world alone like she left home when she was 16 and she's like the most responsible person and for her she doesn't understand people who just go to university and go crazy she's like what's this you know <laughs> but it's perspective so you can't really say it was freedom too early because i've seen a lot of freedom on another perspective but it's responsible freedom but i think it's uh, from an environment perspective who is around you, right? So for me, for instance, at that point, um, my brother was working at KPMG, and that was the first time I entered KPMG offices, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm gonna get here, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, what was it about KPMG? I, just, I don't know, it was just the environment, like it was kind of seeing all these professional women, like mm. looking so nice in their nice suits and their laptops, and like the environment, it was so different to, to, you, yeah. to what I was used to. Yeah. And I was like, if I didn't have someone to kind of channel me through that direction, yeah, I'd pretty much be pretty much having the ambition of, um, I don't want to say that it might be offensive, but... Just say it. Uh, <laughs> Offense is good. No. Yeah, because I had grown up in the military, so a lot of 
girls their ambition was to kind of like get married to an officer you know like mm. like again environment yeah, yeah you kind of like marry higher so because the officers are like the fancy people with like the fancy houses and stuff so i do have a lot of friends who that was their life path but i think it's because we didn't see anything beneath be, beyond the world like that so was, let me ask you this that was our world was it was there a point where that was also your aspiration Hell no no so, so it wasn't really kpmg then it was you already had that in you you were like i'm not settling for this i'm trying to find some other stuff and then kpmg was just this the, they're like, oh, here it is. No, I think it's also just, I don't know. We could argue. Okay, let's go. Let's but I, I honestly think that environment is, is, a, is a key factor. Like, who, it sure is. I agree with you. But yeah. yeah, like you can argue both ways. Right. But it, it works yeah. both ways. It yeah. depends also on the person, but environment is a huge deal. Right? Yeah, in it terms is. Of... For me, I feel like I got exposed to a lot of people very early in life who just basically were like power women that I was like, I just need to be in this space where these Makes women are, are occupied. In the military? Or? Oh, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, I was going back to... So, when I finished my CPA just after, like, those two years, so I finished my CPA. So, by the time I was getting into law school, I was pretty much a CPA kid. And I think second year, um, kind of just hanging out with my brother's crowd, someone was like, I can't remember what I did. So, something I had done, and my brother mentioned it to his friends, and his friend was like, oh, yeah, like... I'd like to see your CV and kind of like share it with the partner and see if you if like you might be an interesting person to mm. speak with. Mm. And in short, that's how I ended up at Deloitte. Mm. And I basically interned in Deloitte like from my third, second year to, to fourth year, mm. which I think was also very instrumental in terms of just um, like the people I met there were very different from my usual world, like right. extremely different. It parachuted you into a whole completely different yeah, a very completely when you had no generally speaking business being there given yeah, the trajectory of exactly, where you were in life. Exactly. Right? So I, I would say Deloitte was like extremely formative in terms of just um the people that I met there, the fact that the partner gave me a chance, even though yeah, yeah I was like, yeah. I'm a tweet, I'm a second year student. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at least I'd done my CPA. CPA just like, right. yeah, we can kind of like do something. So I felt like that also kind of gave me now a way into the corporate world because you we were doing work with really big clients. So I was like in every corporate office, kind of just like doing exposure. one consultancy. Yeah, the exposure was amazing. Mm -hmm. And also just the fact that there was this amazing woman who was just hitting target after target after target when everybody else wasn't. And who was this? And, um, this was Julie Nyangaya. She's still a partner at, at Deloitte and I 100% admire her. <laughs> but it was just being around that person and also just seeing what they do and you realize that it's very... She was like very focused. She still is extremely focused, goal-oriented. What do we need to do? What do we need to achieve? How do we manage our costs? How do you do kind of like everything? So I felt like I had a chance to kind of be in that space with this person who was... Inspirational. Exactly. Like so inspirational. And I think that was like a good step. And Deloitte just gave me access to a lot of right. places and a lot of people. That, right. Um, right. Yeah. And that also gave me knowledge for running the business. Because yep. then you're Structures. coming from a perspective of right. telling people what to do. And then now I'm like, okay, I need to tell myself <laughs> what to do because I, I have I have that background. And so from Deloitte, um, after I finished, I immediately joined Deloitte. And then I was doing my Kenya School of Law, TKSL, mm. mm. for like a year. And then um, after some time, I left Deloitte. I worked for a startup, Bridge International Academies, mm -hmm. uh, briefly. Then I moved to African Guarantee Fund. 
at that point I think I was just trying to figure out what do I want with my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started applying for grad school and then I moved to I went to LSE for a year. Then I came back and then after LSE I moved to New York uh, working for the UN and then yeah now I'm working for Enda. How, how long you uh, how long were those different stints? For example, obviously um, LSE is a year. Yeah. Bridge was, was like a few months. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. That <laughs> was startup one oh one imagine. A few months. What, what did you think it was and what did you find? <laughs> um I think also the, the stark reality was coming from a very structured environment to ah. like a, an environment where you're building as you go. Right. So um A was just that that I don't know, like that startup euphoria, yeah. <laughs> like there's just so much going on. But then from my perspective, I'm like, wait, this has to happen fast and this has to happen fast. But then from a growth perspective, it's it's more of um no, like we have to be also flexible. Yeah, you have to be flexible and you have to think about the numbers. But that goes back to a previous conversation. I mean, I, I honestly still believe it could be back part of my background, but I'm always like structure, growth, structure, growth. Like growth is great, but without structure yeah it, yeah, it just falls apart. But that's not to say that was Bridges' path. Mm-hmm. I think um, at that time, uh, when I left Deloitte, I kind of sent my resume to like different places. So Bridge called me, and then African Guarantee called me like a few weeks later. And okay. they, they, they were like uh, more. They were Pan African. <laughs> they were looking at um, like financial guarantees, which was something that was very appealing. Mm-hmm. Like just, uh, I felt like that was something that was much needed. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I moved there for, I think it was almost like a year. I, I think I stayed there for a year mm-hmm. before I went to LSE. Then I came back and I was in New York for, I think, um, close to four years. Okay. Yeah. Then I came back. Cool. Now I'm back. Awesome. Yeah. And so you come back. Yeah. And why, what made you come back after four years in New York? You know? um, a lot of things actually, some personal stuff. It was just, I think, it was the right moment to come mm-hmm. back. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't, I was always like, should I go back? Should I not? Should I? Uh, and I, also, that time, the work for Enda was getting to be quite a bit. So, Enda had started by the time you yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. tell us, okay, so where does Enda come into this? Enda came park? in at 2015, just when I got the job in New York. Like, okay. that's when I met Wilton, right. my co founder. All right, so let's, let's talk about that. So, yeah. How did you guys meet? Uh, we met actually at uh, um, it was an access, it was like an event organized by YGAP Kenya, uh, and YGAP was essentially bringing entrepreneurs and just people in the space together. And I was basically there talking about a sports academy that I had set up in Bungoma and talking about how just Kenya does not like take advantage of its position mm-hmm. in, in the sports world mm-hmm. and he happened to be in the audience and after that we decided talking and you're like yeah man we need to do something especially in this running category mm-hmm. and at that point the conversation just moved to making shoes and we we're like okay do you want to make shoes i was like yeah we were like it was a very casual conversation then we met a week after that conversation and the conversation just went on and on and on and after that we just say okay here's the plan this is what we're going to do to get to to that particular point and yeah, we follow the plan. We're still following the plan. <coughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you had actually done a sports academy in Bungoma? Yes. Yes. Talk about that a little bit. What was um, that about? That was actually tennis, right? <laughs> mm. And uh, I wanted to do tennis for two reasons. One, um, in 2014, when I was still at LSE in London, I 
I was I'm a huge tennis fan. Like I love Serena and Venus. Like I love them to death. Mm. And Wimbledon was like the closest I would ever get be. to them. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't afford the tickets, but still I was in the, the space and kind of just experiencing the crowded cheering, the euphoria in the air, the thought that oh maybe she might be at that hotel because guys are like, Yeah, she's at that hotel. And just that whole excitement. And then I, I was learning about the, um, the the prize money, like total prize money is like, I think 2017 was 34 million pounds. Wow. And I was like, damn it, why is a Kenyan not in this thing? You know, like it's it's so, it's just one of those things that like, why, why is Kenya not in tennis? And I did my research and I discovered that tennis is a high entry sport. It's not mm-hmm. like running where you just mm-hmm. pick yourself and yeah, go tennis. Mm-hmm. You need the racket, the you need courts. a stringing machine, you need the right balls, you need a coach, you need all these things and there's no way kids from here who don't have that chance are ever going to get into tennis. Isn't it interesting how there are some things we can't access just because of the cost? It's like true. across so many different dimensions. And I think sports. like that that's a tragedy of our country and our continent. Continent, yeah. Because you have brilliant minds mm-hmm. with no opportunity. Exactly. And then you have people who are very few with lots of money, but I don't know, maybe it's fear of finding out where the money is coming from, but there's lack of creativity in the capital scene. So everybody's just building hotels and building houses that are vacant for like two years. And I'm like, can you imagine if, if they were able to lose that capital in terms of the return for two years, why wouldn't they be able to take that same risk on, on like someone who's doing something amazing or like an idea like that? Yeah, I think that you know tracks back to that survival mm. mindset, right? We have a very... Um, other people with money are not surviving. But but they can see what survival looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. too far away from it, right? Again, yeah. that environment thing that we, you, you've been That's talking true. about. Yeah. Because, you know, there is a... How, would you, how else would you explain that, right? There's, if if, if people know. see... Like lack of creativity or... And some fear, right? Like, hey, this is safe. Fear. Yeah, I think you can classify it into two. There's like legitimate capital and like illegitimate True. capital yeah so legitimate capital is hard earned mm-hmm. so there is a lot of fear of losing it because we don't have social networks like social nets so social safety nets exactly yeah. like mm-hmm. if you're sick your money might as well just end at a hospital right. like so people are scared of of losing that money mm-hmm. and then you have the people who um they have capital but not the right way so a you don't want to spend it too much you want to clean or, it too yeah you want to clean it and B, you want to keep it in a bank in Switzerland. I'm always like, why don't you Europe reach rich already? Like, do something here. But uh, the funny thing, though, is I remember, um, like, studying about this was that the, the Asian tigers, there was also a lot of corruption there. Like, they, their economy also grew as a byproduct of corruption. So mm. it's like, why was corruption positive there and corruption not positive here? Interesting. But it's because the corruption there was became kind of like a competition of who could build the better enterprise. That is, right? you see, that is such an important yes. point. Oh my God. You see, yes. I keep telling, I keep saying this all the time. And uh-huh. this is kind of, in our view, my long-term strategy. Uh-huh. You have to change culture it's to true. change outcomes. Exactly. Where people, you see, human beings are starter-seeking apes. Yes. Period. Yes. If if status is about a Range Rover and Switzerland bank account, yeah, guess what you're going to do? That's what everybody is going to do. Right. But yeah. if we start saying, how big is your company? How yeah. many people have you employed? Yeah. You know, that's how you get Bonham Kubwe exactly. title. Exactly. We'll see change. Yeah. And so... The way I see it is like, okay, you got to cut the line somewhere and start inculcating that thought process and those value systems in the younger generation. 
that's why we do a podcast. One of the reasons we do a podcast. Uh-huh. And you know, people, you know, an acorn grows into a, what's that? Oak. Oak tree, yeah. right? And so you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And so for us, that's why, in my view, I'm so stunned that you actually talked about this because I inherently kind of knew that without yeah. seeing that research. But I think yeah. everybody kind of sees yeah. that. Culture yeah. is such a powerful it is. thing. So right? our culture is very... Um, um, I don't want to get too geeky, but <laughs> no, 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 yeah, like, let's uh, Fred, educate the world. Franz Fanon, in his book um, *The Wretched of the Earth*, which I love, 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 I love that book, but it's so tragic also because which book is this again? So everybody can hear *The Wretched of the Earth*. The Wretched of the Earth, Franz Fanon. by Franz Fanon, and he was just basically talking about the dangers of um, like now that we will get this newfound freedom. Here's like the things that will be dangerous for Africa, and um, and one of the things he talks about was the the growth of the the bourgeois, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the elite who is not really about seeking freedom for the people, but is about essentially just taking over the, the mm-hmm. seat that the colonial master left. Mm-hmm. And that his aspirations are then not for a better Africa, but for being like his master, you know, mm-hmm. like, so then he's like, I want to go to Europe because that's where he went to Europe. Oh my God. I want to invest in a Rolls Royce because that was the status quo. And then he's like, the, the problem with that bourgeois class is that then they take away, like they were the biggest danger for Africa's The growth. biggest risk. Exactly. Right? And <laughs> you, you kind of see it unfolding because then you look at how our patterns are. It's kind of just like replace colonialist with black colonialist. Yeah, yeah. And then you create the same extractive system. Totally. And the systems are not, the money is not kind of coming back to be reinvested. It's being extracted. It's yeah. just being extracted and put You know, African has always, Africa has always been an extractive, uh, I guess, venture. I know, which is why right? like, social with... enterprise has to work. Like, because it's very, yeah. I, you know, social enterprise might be one of the answers. I mean, I, I, I kind of tend to struggle with that a little bit. Yeah, it has I, I to guess. be power policy. Who's in charge and what are they putting I, I, in place? But the question becomes, it's chicken and egg, right? Because mm-hmm. the policy, we've been waiting for policy to change forever, right? And in Kenya, we do actually have a lot of laws. Just the enforcement is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so why have laws if you can't enforce them? What is the point? We like, we like the big stick. We need to tell people you're breaking the law. You need that. Anyway, that's another conversation. That's another conversation. Yeah. I, I think there's something else around that we, I think human beings, like you've talked about this. Yeah. We underestimate the power of culture. The power of narrative. Exactly. The power of saying who's what's cool and what's not cool. Exactly. You know, the core of public opinion, if you yeah, will. Yeah. That is where we don't understand the power of that. And with social media and, mm. and, and, and we don't have to we have a look, we're gonna be we're talking to people right now. Yes. We have our own media platform. Yeah. We can construct the narrative that we want without necessarily having to go to what are the outlets, media outlets. Yeah, yeah. Like back to kind of you, you guys came up with a plan for, yeah. for growth. Yeah. How do you come up with a plan for a shoe company? Where do you get a plan from? I think it's a step by step. I think some sometimes we underestimate our common sense, mm-hmm. right? So um, I always say like... It's not as complicated as people no, think. No, it's not. And there was one paper when I was doing accounting, it was called the audit. And audit had tons of notes and everybody used to hate that unit because <laughs> you have like tons of notes. And then one day I was just reading what the teacher was saying and I was like, wait, some of these things are not... Like, I don't have to study for two hours to know that, for example, if they're saying, um, how do you receive goods, for instance, I just have to sit and imagine if I'm here and someone has been sent to receive goods, 
first of all, they'll come and I'll ask them, where are you from? Like, what's the documentation? I see it. What's the number of goods? They remove it. I count it. I check it. It's just common sense exactly. stuff. Like, how does a human being... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like a step-by-step -step process. And once I figure that, I loved that subject. I was like, yeah, bring it on, you know? Because it's just thinking. And the same thing with shoes. And not to oversimplify the process, but it's essentially two people who don't know how to make shoes. What's the next step? Find go, someone. Go research. <laughs> yeah. Find someone who knows this. Right. right? right. First of all, you get to know what shoes are, but the best thing is find someone who's already done this. Mm -hmm. And then that was the next step. Like mm -hmm. I'm just doing research and networking of who is the person who would fit our bill in terms of understanding why we want to do it here uh, in Kenya. Um, why it makes sense to have a Kenyan running brand. Why? Because to everybody else, the idea was crazy, you know, but then you kind of have to find someone who sees that. Yeah. And that was the next step. We spent a huge amount of time finding that person. And then that person was very instrumental in kind of now just leading us. Streamlining the, the process. Yeah. Exactly. Like leading us to the next steps of, okay, uh, who was this to do? guru? Shoe guru. Um, Phil Knight? Of no, no, but I did read his book. The first thing I did was Shoe get dog. that book. <laughs> and read it what do you think about the book? I think it's amazing. I think I need to meet him one day. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, I feel like it's so many years later, but from my experience, I feel like I'm going through some of the things he was going through. Mm. And it feels as though I keep on thinking, but this was like X years ago. How mm. come it hasn't changed? So for me, that was a reflection of like Africa is still a little bit behind in terms of manufacturing processes mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Because if he wrote that book and he kind of even retired from Nike, mm. and now we are going through the same same thing it's just a different context but mm. the same thing but time has passed meaning technology has improved mm. the world has kind of moved on so it shouldn't be so difficult but somehow um it is so there's still challenges but it's not impossible it's, it's kind of possible yeah. awesome so 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 you find this person who, who's the person again who's so when we started out we partnered with a design studio in new york called bad house Okay. And that way it was easier because I was in New York also then. Oh, okay. Got and it. then also, it was also just looking at who has the capability to produce a shoe that I can put on the shelf next to a global brand and we are at the same level. So I think, of course, there's kind of this yearning of, can I just find a Kenyan who can do it? But <laughs> <laughs> Where is a Kenyan? <laughs> we didn't. But it's not a question of where. I feel like Kenyans can do anything. If that industry existed, if like it now, existed, right. like so now we point. are finding people right. who have that capability and just basically trying to connect them with the designer and put that talent out there. So when you say, what do you need? Somebody who can do what specifically? So for instance, the drawings are very intricate. So like making shoes, so... Think of it this way, you have a guy who speaks English communicating to a guy who doesn't speak English. The only thing they understand is the diagram, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the guy who's like directing, looking at the thing in China, needs to understand what this guy is saying. So it's essentially like Got math it. and vectors right. and like saying, okay, this is this distance to that distance. Got it. So how do you do that? How do you get like a 3D model before you kind of go into the actual printing? So mm -hmm. it has to be someone who is also um, aware of... Uh, 3D printing, but from a footwear perspective, uh, and then just how do you find someone who, for instance, um, can tell like that this um, EVA is like the the plastic that makes the sole. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain um, density, there's a certain tensile strength. Like it's not just a yeah, few, there's like, physics in this exactly. Game. So yeah. you also need someone who understands so that. Again, as I said, people don't speak the same language. How does he produce something that he wants? You know, so when they're talking about this is a 
maybe 53 durometer in year and you're like what is that like they they need to understand that so it's, it's very skilled okay so isn't i would imagine there's a shoe building ecosystem where um, people speak the same language, durometers and EVA. And yeah, but stuff. the guy in China knows it in Chinese. Got it. So, yeah. so there's a language <laughs> barrier there. Yeah, there is. But it's basically how does... The, because ultimately it's the paperwork that everybody understands regardless of, of what they're doing. Yeah. So you have to be very specific in terms of the drawings. So how did you overcome the language barrier in these cases? Did you find a translator? Um, yeah, so the basically the guys who we are working <laughs> with in terms of design are people who've been ma been making shoes for decades, so they already have their network. So it was easier to slide ah, into those networks. What they've already than, built already. Exactly than us trying to recreate the wheel. So so let me ask you a question. So <clears throat> so so you and um, Weldon. Weldon. Mm -hmm. uh, Weldon's a good dude, and thanks mm -hmm. to him for setting you for setting us yeah. up on the podcast. <laughs> um, I think he's a wonderful gentleman. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys come up with this plan. The first thing is to kind of find the person and find the the, the organizations that can help you. Yeah. That way of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think it's it's not obvious? It might be obvious to educated people, exposed people, uh, right? Yeah. But it's not necessary. Do you? I guess my question is: uh -huh. Do you think the average person who in Nairobi who thought about building a shoe would have taken that path to find uh, unique information, like <laughs> domain-specific <laughs> information? Do you, do you just think about the average person? I mean. I don't know what average means, you know, like, like seriously, I don't feel like I'm qualified to answer on their behalf, but as I said, sequence is common sense, I think. But remember people yeah. were reading that audit, that audit paper for... Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so Fair, maybe... enough. <laughs> Fair enough. It's not common sense because, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think it's a step-by-step -step product, but then if I step back... Maybe I did learn process from Deloitte that I knew process, process maps. Mm. Uh, like you basically, first thing you do, get into a business and say, okay, tell me from A to Z, what do you do? And then you're able to, to put it in a chart. And then, yeah, I could say I, I would attribute it to that, that you're always thinking, what's the next step? What's the next step? What affects that decision? And you actually sit down and map it out oh, yeah, before you, you start doing anything. You have to. Right. Yeah, that was Which is what I'm trying to get at, yeah. right? You know, it's a very, very important, subtle thing. Yeah. But it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it does. It does. Right? But I have to say, entrepreneurship is hard because you're doing so many things. True. So, True. Like, so sometimes you don't even know whether you're coming or going, right? Yeah, you don't know. And I think for me, my challenge, especially for this year, is to just take all that knowledge and like stop running and just take that knowledge and sit and implement it um, for Enda. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not easy. I, I, my hat's off to you guys. So, so you guys find the person who gives you an idea of the possibility space, right? Yeah. Is this even possible? Mm -hmm. How would you go about it? Yeah. And then you find the, 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 the what was it, an agency or what, this New York outfit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we found them, there's just a lot of emails and LinkedIn. Okay. Like, yeah, we're looking for this person and this person. People are actually super helpful. Totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and even some of the people who, they still work for other companies, mm. but we're still kind of good friends with them. Mm. Um, kind of like, they support us from this. Which side. companies do they work for? Yeah, they work for big brands. <laughs> <laughs> not, not they were instrumental in just basically saying, I can't help you now, but talk to this guy. right? And so what did they think about when you said you're trying to build a shoe, shoe, shoe company in Kenya? I think they everybody was like, 
why like it's it's a eureka for everyone like kenyans are so good at running so why hasn't this common sense like that what's, yeah what's so i feel like that was also a thing that really helped us like get people people wanted to get behind it exactly people were like oh this would be so amazing if it if it worked out mm-hmm. so that was cool okay. yeah so okay so what was the next so you did your you're doing your market research you know mm-hmm. evaluate whatever processing what was the big milestone that you accomplished? Prototype. Was prototype. prototype. Okay. That was it. Like you needed a product in hand. Totally. You couldn't, you couldn't be talking no, about. No, no, no. You needed a product in hand. So that was, that was a big deal. Okay. Yeah, Tell us about that. Team. How did that come about? Um. So like once we basically had the team together, we had like a long day meeting, and just kind of like put ideas on the wall. What does this look like? what do we want to achieve uh, from a utility and aesthetic perspective and just kind of putting all those ideas then going back into okay this is version one nah, doesn't look nice version two version three mm-hmm. like we're incorporating so many things at once mm-hmm. um, and for me it was just like okay you have to make it so kenyan like it has to be so kenyan <laughs> that like you have to have those elements that really speak to to why we're doing this mm-hmm. and then um basically getting the factory in china to like do a prototype but just like make it happen and see how that looks like and kind of just getting it uh seeing it in a package like, yeah. And like opening it yeah that was like amazing <laughs> how long did it take you between first meeting with well done at the event uh-huh. yeah we met we met in 2015 uh february january actually january yeah. uh, towards the end of january 2015 uh we had a prototype um i would say late 2016 early 2017 okay so about a year yeah roughly yeah Wait, late twenty. Oh, like, yeah. almost two years. Yeah, almost two years. Yeah, I think it's like a year and a half or something. Okay. Like somewhere there. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then now you have a prototype. Now what do you do? Now you need money to make more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then now it moves from okay. At least you have something to show people and totally. the possibility. Yes. So mm-hmm. then how do we make money um to get to the next level? Okay. And um kind of just looking at different options. Mm-hmm. Um like for the traditional financiers that like wait factory where no, you know. <laughs> like yeah. So that was like a bit of a challenge because people kind of just look at the landscape. A, a lot of people in the US knew nothing about Africa other than Lion King. Mm. And then there was just this... So you're raising money in the, in the US, essentially? At that point, I was there, so I was talking to everybody Got I was it. meeting, Got right? It. But yeah. we were also raising here. I wrote uh, emails to some of my friends who have met along the way, like, this is what we're doing. Would you guys be interested mm. in, like, uh, getting behind this now? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, like, mm-hmm. it'll work. <laughs> it'll work out. Right. So that was the next step. Uh, we did raise some money from friends and family to kind of just finish the whole prototyping phase. Mm. And then after that, we were like, okay, we need to, we need big money. Mm. And we also needed to launch in a way that said, yeah, we are. We are here to, we are exactly, real. We're exactly. not prototyping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is how we ended up on Kickstarter, that we just figured out yeah. that was a nice way to get pre-orders. So mm. we kind of get the money in advance. Right. And then also a nice way to kind of get the conversation going about us rather than ha- us having a complete product line and nobody knows we exist. Wow. So it, it yeah. killed two birds, huh? Yes. The Kickstarter play. Yeah. How did that work out? How did that work out? Kickstarter uh, preparation is exhausting, right? I always look back because back then it was just well done and die. Mm. This time we just finished the second Kickstarter. We were a team of like five. Mm. So 
when I look back, I'm like, I don't know how we didn't go crazy, you know? Like, wow. yeah, because you're dealing with emails, you're dealing with outreach, you're dealing at any one point, like, my inbox made me shiver, you know? Like, you're like, you're what like, emails? Like, from who? From, from orders? From or? backers, you know? Like, people have genuine questions and oh. people want answers and right. people don't want you to answer like three days later. But right. you, know, you have like still so much going on, you still are kind of like talking to the designers, you're talking to the factory here in Kenya. You're trying to make all that work. You're just two people. Like it just felt like the day was not ending. Like it just felt wow. like you're moving from one day to the next. Right. Like there was no night. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's just like you're moving from like one. And how long did that last? Like that. Um, so <laughs> like Kickstarter was like thirty days. The first one we did. This time we did forty-five. But the work actually happens a lot before yeah, before the, the prep, eh? yeah, like the prep in terms of um, how do we get like a media mention? How do we get people to back us up? Like to commit to back us up? How do we manage their expectations? How do we make sure that they're ready with the like button to like order <laughs> as soon as <laughs> as soon as? So there's there's just a whole lot. So of UI thing. design of your campaign. Everything. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Like you can't just put a thing on Kickstarter and yeah. hope, hope and pray. Something happens. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Man, hats off to you guys for actually stepping up. It takes it takes as the you know as the the Jewish word chutzpah. Yeah. Right? But it's also just we didn't have a choice, man. We were not going to get that money from anywhere. So we had to really You're back to against the wall. It's either yeah, this or nothing. Let's exactly, get to it. Exactly. Like nobody was going to give us that money considering you know how people are always like, So what's your experience in this area? None. None. So they're like, and you want me to give you my money? Haha, <laughs> bye. So <laughs> So we, we understood our shortcomings, but we also understood the opportunity. Mm. So what was the opportunity that you guys saw through your... Opportunity was essentially pre-finance. Like Kickstarter crowd is aware that it's like a prototyping space. Mm. So people actually pre-order. Mm. They're not mm -hmm. like ordering for yeah. immediate. So that right. gave us time to get money and get our act together. But what was a bigger opportunity? So when you sat down with all these industry experts, mm. right? Mm -hmm. In terms of mapping out what this could be. Yeah. What was the what did success look like in those conversations? What success looked like an entry into this market from a brand that is like the underdog, like from Africa. A, B is from the home of champions, and C is like the running industry is ripe for di disruption. Mm -hmm. So this. So what what what's possible? What's the possibility space here? Possibility. You, have you guys mapped that out and say? This is our goal. We want to get here by this. If we yeah, get if we get here, this would be awesome. Exactly. Like, what are you shooting for? So um, I want someone in Siberia to be asked like, what kind of shoe running shoe should I buy? And the ender should be on the top three. And I say Siberia because in my mind is like the farthest place ever. <laughs> maybe maybe that's also Nike's aspiration because maybe in Siberia ah, people are not running. That's still there. <laughs> but I think it's to just kind of bring the simplicity and pure form of running. Back size of running. company. Size of company. What are yeah. we talking about here? Oh, in terms of size, uh, we definitely in all five point in all uh, seven. Yeah, I don't know if people drag in Antarctica, but we'll get there. We'll make snowshoes. Kenyan <laughs> <laughs> snowshoes. That's awesome. <laughs> The way yeah. global warming is going now, yeah. who knows? <laughs> you might have yeah. snow here pretty soon. Yeah, which is sad. That's, yeah, but um, I would say success is kind of being a global international brand. Success is making it here in Kenya, which is hard, I have to admit. But I, I would want to, to make sure that we did our best to just uh, make sure that it's coming here. Because the more we do it, the more money comes in, the more we export, 
the more uh, I mean people make jobs money comes in we so that we can be the, like the Germans with their pride of the precision of the yeah. car mm. and we can be the Italians with their fashion but it's actually an industry that keeps the the, the, com- the country going yeah so for me that is just that thing where we are not only like we are a big player globally but that is actually translated here where people need jobs and social economic impact. development yeah yeah and yeah. also just a company that cares about the environment so talking about africa's history has been just extraction 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 so how about like extraction and growth extraction and growth mm. right how about no extraction yeah or no just... extraction at all right? <laughs> yeah that's true right. because i think one of the funniest things um, especially living outside Kenya, because here I think we have a lot of recycling mentality, just a minute with scarcity, mm. like that blue band tin shall be. <laughs> <laughs> shall be in the fridge. shall be something. But then it always used to amaze me, always, that I would get a new plastic fork, eat with it, and throw it. Like, That's crazy. That, that hurts. That's crazy. Like, yeah, and I saw Where is it like going? Where is it coming from? Yeah, Jesus. I was like, this guy's drilled the freaking earth to get some petroleum product to make a fork that I used for like five minutes Imagine. and I threw out, right? Imagine. So I, 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 I do agree with you that extraction doesn't help. And it's also just because it has decimated our communities. And uh, at a topic for another day is why I think DRC shall be the way it is for a long, for time, long time. Because it's it's extractive and it profits a lot of people for that yeah. status quo. Dream. It's crazy. It's, yeah. it's insane. Um, so, so, so far, so, so where are you guys at right now, right? Where, where what, what stage are you? You post, uh-huh. post, uh, what's this thing called? Uh, your second, uh, on GoFundMe. Like, yeah. what's it called? <laughs> Kickstarter. Kickstarter. One of those things. <laughs> so you passed your second Kickstarter. Yes. You, that's done. Yeah. We've just done that. Well, have, so you raised, right have you raised money outside that? that, that no, we're actually that. doing that right now. So that's my job. That's how you become retired. Yeah. So where are you raising money from? Which from which markets? Uh, here, um, it's just I think it's not about the market. It's more like the market matters, but it's just more of alignment with with what we do. Mm -hmm. Because I do want someone who understands why we are doing what we are doing Mm -hmm. and why it makes a difference to make these shoes in Kenya. Totally. And why the brand is made in Kenya. Mm -hmm. Like some people just don't get that. Mm -hmm. Right. So so so, how much are you raising? Uh, in short, like to be at a place where everything is good is, I would say, minimum to fifty k. That's like, um, like that, twenty five mm. million. Mm. Yeah, it pains me that there's a house that's more expensive than the capital mm. unit, <laughs> but someone is mm. going to buy that. Yeah. So I'd say twenty five million kind of just gets us to that place where like everything is twenty five million Kenyan shillings. Yeah, this is an international podcast. Let's talk. Yes. <laughs> so then let's get. 250k would like really get us to a good place in terms of just the system running, yeah. like um, making sure there's no stockouts, making sure that uh, we are looking at product development and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if I stretch it and say like 350, just basically gets us to like that. Point. You, know, you know what I'm disappointed? I, I should have told you this. You should have brought your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Usually, I carry uh, them. It's because I had somewhere I was last night and it disoriented me because I woke up late and yeah. So. <laughs> Man, I, I'm such a big fan of what you guys are doing, mm-hmm. uh, you and, and well done, and I I, I want to see this mm-hmm. be successful. And the, and the team. I and the love team. my team. Talk yeah. about the team, right? Yeah, I feel like I, I've been in different places, uh, worked in a lot of places, and I I just feel like I love this team. Like mm. this team is. It's not just about 
um, if they are looking for better pay, they would go, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just like the understanding that we are building something for the future, mm. and that we basically just need to put a hundred and ten percent. And sometimes. I speak to my people and I feel like they are the CEO and not me. You know, awesome. like they, what do you find is such amazing? You know, the yeah. thing is, there are so many amazing, there's so much talent. It's true. I always go back to corruption and nepotism, which is just killing us, right? Like, but there's so much desire. Exactly. And I would always say finding that person who essentially is giving the 110%, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all in, yeah. yeah, so we were actually very lucky to find this company, which we just found in some place where we were. It was actually a competition and they were among it. Mm-hmm. So the company is called Yusudi, and I wasn't going to pitch for them or anything, but literally mm-hmm. that, that's like where we got our stuff. So Yusudi... They're over here on Gong Road, right? Yeah, yeah, they're somewhere here. They mm-hmm. take guys and they train them, and then they hook them up with internships, and then, yeah, so for a startup, mm-hmm. internships... Uh, made sense for us because mm. we were just at that point not at a position to pay mm. someone a salary. Mm. Mm. So we basically started with the internships, but it A, allows you to kind of get to know who this person mm-hmm. is. Mm. Uh, Usually has already kind of done the pre, uh, pre-selection, pre mm. so you're not like... Doing it for yourself. Yeah, you're yeah. doing it for yourself. And then, um, yeah, I think you kind of just get really hungry young people who mm. want to do something. Mm. And what I loved about that was that it was so blind, like it wasn't, like I, I like references, don't take me wrong, like references got us great people for the team, but I think, especially here in Kenya, I, I like working with people who want to work, like mm. they want to work, it's not like their mom or dad send them here, right. and they're like, yeah, I need to go for lunch, or, right. not that going for lunch is a bad thing, but it's just the, the attitude. They're hungry. Yeah, that's it. And I feel like, sometimes I'm like, these guys are the CEOs of the company mm. because the way they would be like, yeah, it's time to go for that event. I'm like, I'm so tired. And they're like, no, we have to go. You know, as in, I'm like, I love this. Like, how, how big is your team? Uh, right now, we are five people. Well done, myself, uh, Eva, she does sales and marketing, Ralph does sales, David does accounting. I love it, man. You know, we should yeah. we should have a, a team lunch because yeah. there's seven of us, uh, right? Myself uh-huh. and, and uh, six of the most amazing uh, up-and-coming uh, I don't want to call them interns anymore. They're uh-huh. professionals. Yeah, and, no, they are. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they, I've been very lucky. I feel the same way like yeah. you do. Yeah. Um, and that's why I keep saying, man, there's just, you and I know there's depth of talent, depth yes. of desire, depth yes. of potential. It's opportunity. It is the opportunity. Yeah, it's the opportunity. And so that's great. So I guess as we start to wrap up over here is, mm. I guess what would you say would be your biggest challenges as, as you start, when you, since you started this journey? Um, I'd say the biggest challenge is, um, I don't want to like go back to funding because I always feel like sometimes... If it's funding, it's funding. Yeah, it is funding. (laughs) But you know what we're talking about systems, like you might say just funding is a challenge, you get the money and it all goes out. That's true. That's that's a very, very important point because you're very, that's very important because what you also see also is Mm. people default to funding as the answer to all things. Yeah. And it's not. No, Mm. no. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just... Um, like building a brand, like shoes are a brand, like it's yeah. just about brand, yeah. like rip one logo, put on another one, right. like yeah, there's an element of technology but a lot of shoes is about branding. So kind of putting ourselves out there, I still feel like we haven't flexed enough, like there's still people who I meet who have never heard of our brand and I'm just like, ah, you know, that yeah. means yeah. we have that opportunity where there's... I, I think a, so, man. Yeah. I, 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 I think there's a running culture in Kenya. Yes. Uh, do they wear your shoes? Like, are, they, are your shoes out here like that? Yeah, shoes are out here. I was just talking okay. to someone who was like, oh, I was at an event and now everybody's wearing it and their shoes. I was like, yeah. Dope. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, first, yeah. you know, I know you guys have to kind of have this higher 
price point. Yeah. Can I say yeah. that? Okay. Yes. So, means. Right, because you got to target elite, no, mm -hmm. I mean, like the West kind of top runners. It's also just the cost of setting this thing up. Totally. Right? It's, totally. Um, I mean, you got to cover those costs. Yeah. Like, Unit economics are map. Cost, mm -hmm. And it's not yeah. like I'm in a position where I'm saying, like, oh, I'm bowling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you, you got to start at that. that Higher price point, and yeah. Then, uh, I mean, it's just, come down. just setting, huh? setting down, like setting up. Yeah, we're still setting up for yep. that. We're no. like way Fair far enough. from being a hundred percent made Fair in Kenya. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that uh, I say is kind of like from a running market perspective, we're actually fairly priced. Like, mm. um. Uh, the category where, for example, the 10 is, uh, you get shoes from like 80 to 250 dollars. So we are actually at the, like the bottom the yeah. end of the spectrum. But we also do recognize that a lot of Kenyans can't afford that yet. And one of the things we're looking at is basically using locally available technology and materials to create something that is going to also speak to the market. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if a few years down the road you guys are the harbinger or the canary in the coal mine that creates mm -hmm. a running, or a shoe industry, a shoe factory kind of industry, yeah. right? Yeah. You could, you could e easily go into that direction because you could learn mm. what those people are doing in China and labor is increasing mm. costs in China. That's what doing actually. We did bring some of the team from China and the US to go down to the factory. They spent time with the team. There you They're go. like showing them like this is how. So for example, if you remove the insole, there's something called a struggle stitch where you're, mm. you're stitching them upper and the insole together right. that was done in china now it's done here nice shoelaces done in china now they're being done here so it's it's so like it's a slowly but surely moving towards exactly. fully manufactured made exactly fully made in kenya that means more jobs and also for a supply chain perspective the more we can control that the more yep. we can lessen the time it takes totally. to, to reorder right which, which yeah. makes yeah. Uh, better business so the biggest challenge has been what as a financing because we are we are marketing we're in a marketing industry. Yep, you're in a brand building exactly. Space. So brand building is not very um, expensive. Yeah, it's not just Facebook ads. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's endorsements. Have it's, you have uh, you met Kipchoge by any chance? No, 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 no. But I'm sure I will. Yeah, well, not has though. He yeah, has. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yes, I haven't met him, but uh, I'm sure I will. I'll be stopping but I always say... <laughs> He's such an amazing ambassador yeah, for what yeah. and he's also Africa is. Amazing yeah. dude, man. Yeah, a huge fan. But the thing I've learned, like hanging out with the athletes, is that we were talking about opportunities. So many talented people, so many few, so like so little few slots. So my belief is that there's another, At all, of if course. not better, who's just out there. And Waiting to be to discovered. Yeah, you, you need to be the first to it. But yeah, yeah I mean, we've talked. Weldon and I have talked about the mm. the nuances and the mm. you know the challenges yeah. of out competing big boys when it comes to. Yeah, but you see, like all this stuff that's coming out now, and you find that there's like people who have really good contracts, and there's people who have really crappy contracts. contracts. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of, and then also one thing uh, that's a concern for the athletes is the shelf life. They understand that. They have the X window. number of years mm. to make money for the rest of their lives. Totally, yeah, yeah. that's a long time. So they, make, they better make the right moves. Exactly, right? and mm. I think for us, our pitch is essentially long term that we are not just, uh, mm. you know, like mm. let's use and as soon as mm. we can perform, mm. like how do we, mm. how do we invest long term in athletes so that they know that they can always count on us. So I think that's our approach essentially of being a long-term partner. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think what you're doing has so many interesting possibilities of how you can build your brand yeah. with different tactics and strategies. Yeah. You know, so it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, lessons learned. What would you do different if you were to start, you're starting all over again? If I was to start all over again, 
let's trust more contracts. Let's trust more contracts. Yeah, it's nothing personal. Talk about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, <we just> say, <laughs> is that yeah, towards more local or international? Both, yeah. anyone you're dealing with. If money is involved, put it in a contract, right? Mm. I think, A, I have a very happy, trusting personality, mm. which I've just come to learn to shove it when I'm doing business. Mm. But it's also just, I think, whenever there's a possibility to work together, there's so much excitement and euphoria yeah. that it kind of like... The devil is in the detail. The devil is in the detail. Like, you have to make sure that we agree and then let's put it in writing. When you put it in writing, there's always a different perspective. Totally. Yeah, and considering that I'm a lawyer, sometimes I'm like, really? Like, How could <laughs> yeah. I make this <laughs> Yeah, but you sometimes live uh, we're human, you know? Yeah. So I would say um, paperwork. Like, if it's not written, it's not done. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so the future of Enda, I think you've talked a little bit about this. You want the guy in Siberia saying Enda is one of my top three running shoes. Yeah, I mean, also from an economic perspective, kind of like uh, like impact. really creating value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like mm -hmm. the social impact for us we measure in terms of amount of money that's going into wages. Uh, we have a community giving program, which is essentially 2% uh, of our revenues go into this fund that is invested in the community kind of seeing more, uh, that was actually very fulfilling. Mm. It remains, after seeing the prototype, mm. like the community giving is like my second high, you know, mm. like just um, going to Korogosho, seeing the kids, and again opportunity, you know, I mm. sometimes hate this country, I'm like, how can one part be so rich and another part be so desperate? It's a global problem. Yeah, but it's we can do late better. stage capitalism. We can do better. I, you yeah. know, my thinking is my there think, are people like I, I agree with you, and that's yeah. that's that's what we gotta do. But I think it's it's a larger systemic one. Of, yeah. of course, we have different nuances here, like mm. we talked about, right? Mm. I don't know. My hope is that that maybe capitalism has one more evolution around it where it can democratize The only problem well about evolution is that it's violent, in my opinion. It's like, ultimately it comes to survival for the fittest. But, so that's, that's but, that, but, but here's what I'm saying. That is based on the frameworks that we have right now to understand yeah, it. Yeah. There's a, there could be a whole other paradigm we can't see. You have to leave that's room true. for that. That's true, that's true. But I think it's just kind of seeing the world space right now and what makes sense, not making sense. And what's not making sense, making sense, you know? And you're like, how could people think like this? Like, right. Especially the, the global warming thing. Exactly. It's, it's so crazy. It is. But then, again, step back and look at Africa. Um, Karl Marx, I think, is the one who was basically talking about how the image for the developing country, like, the developing countries, when they see the image of development, they see the, the past. West. The West, that the, yeah. the West has taken. Mm. And that path is self-destructive. Yeah, totally. You know? so it's unsustainable. It's the completely. same thing we're talking about manufacturing. It's extractive, right? So, but how else are we going to develop? Like, what is that alternative path? And then you'll say, oh yeah, let's invest in solar and all this kind of stuff. These are still new technologies. I need a lot of money. Keep in mind, we still don't have that money. So, I don't know, you know, sometimes I think about all these things. I'm like, how is it going to work out? How is it going to work out? Yeah. You know what? I'll I, I put it this way, man. Mm -hmm. You know, the world doesn't need humans, eh? No, in fact, who said it? <laughs> the world is good without us out yeah. here. <laughs> Kumin, I do. Mm. He said that that the, the earth is going to be fine. Oh, the earth is chill. We're all just gonna die. <laughs> the earth the is earth, totally okay. The earth will have time to just recover over hundreds of years. From What's that Will Smith movie? The Will Smith movie that uh, the one where he was the only guy left, and then there were all these funny creatures. Anyway, there was uh -huh. a movie with Will Smith. The one for Netflix. 
No, 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 no. That ah, okay. But anyway, um, let's let's end this with a more hopeful tone, yes. right? Uh, somehow we make it. <laughs> but uh, um, we will. We will. <laughs> so, future of Silicon Savannah. Uh, what, what do you think, what do you think is possible in, in Nairobi, man? Based on what I you see, twenty vision twenty thirty. What's your vision twenty thirty? Oh my gosh! Like I think there's so much possibility in in just Africa as mm. a whole, because from my perspective, what has been painted as developed vis-a-vis developing is mm. just order, mm. right? And I feel like order. Structure. Yeah, it's just something we can do. You mm. know, like it's not out of this world like if you go for example to the uk it's just neat houses neat like development is something we can That's achieve possible. right mm. and i feel like we have the resources to achieve it we just do a what lot is the number one resource you think people exactly yeah i'm glad you said that <laughs> thank you final tips yeah. for anybody who's thinking about who's in the entrepreneurial journey you know what are the final tips you you parting shots for um yes you can you know I always say, yes, you can. Julius Yego, first Kenyan to ever win a gold, Commonwealth gold medal in a field event. Yes, you can. Awesome. Guy did it with yeah. YouTube. Of course, he got help at the end, but he did it. Right. Yeah. So whenever I think about what is available here, I'm like, you can. It, it doesn't mean it's an easy journey. Don't take like it. It just means put yourself on that path, and I believe. It's my honest belief based on my experience. If you put yourself in a path, you will, by virtue of serendipity or something, you will meet people who will help along you that along that path. Awesome. Like, but you just have to put yourself in that path. Get going. Yeah, because that will take you to places you wouldn't have found. Is that, is that, your, is that your just do it? Yes, you can. <laughs> I think I Tagline. would say that. Like, I would say, for me, it's always... I, I have a very... You should do it. Yes, you nah, can. Yeah, I have this awareness of life. I don't know why. Yeah. I think I just—it's—I am very aware of my twenty-four hours. Mm. I don't know why. Like I'm always aware that I might not be here tomorrow, so I have today. Mm. So I need to extract the maximum that I can for today. And if tomorrow comes, awesome. If it doesn't come, I'll be well, like, yeah, you know, God. I give it yeah. my best. <laughs> yeah. So you don't, do you have a tagline or not for Enda? For Enda is go, you know, like awesome. it's literally the meaning of Enda go. Like, oh, don't. okay. <laughs> Why am I? Imagine that's so crazy. Yeah. Enda in my mind was in was that. Yeah, it's good. Cool. It means we've created a brand that you're even forgetting the meaning, of the, the meaning of the word. Jesus Christ! I was yeah, speaking. I was saying Enda in English. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Go, I love it. Yeah, just awesome. go. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for for coming. Yeah, um, it's been an awesome conversation. Good conversation. And, uh, I agree probably have you guys back yeah again awesome good luck thank you very much awesome.